Oh, David. Yes. Uh, it's the beginning of February, and that you know what that means. It means. To, oh, I don't know. <laughs> we we had to go into a tizzy to t- uh, to see what TikTok has taught us this week. Uh, go ahead and hit play on that video you're watching. All right. I'll, I'll describe to everybody what's going on. It's a cheesy trick. Yep. So uh, David's learning how to flip grilled cheese for the first time um, in this this hack that has made its way around TikTok. And I got to tell you, I mean, I've thought about this before and I've used this technique to flip other things, but apparently nine out of every 10 people I've ever seen or I've talked to today had no idea this was a way you could flip grilled cheese or pancakes or anything. What? And there it is. So essentially. Hold on. (laughs) You're not flipping the grilled cheese though. You're flipping the pan. Yeah, exactly. So what you're doing is you're putting the flipper underneath the pan. You're pulling up the grilled cheese and then you're just flipping the pan over and flipping it at the same time. It's easier. Yeah. I feel like that's a lot of work though. Yeah, it seems like an an awful lot of work. Do you know what wasn't a lot of what? Go ahead. I think we're going to say the same thing. You know, it's not a lot of work. What's that? (laughs) Listening to this episode of the Seat on Screen podcast. Hallelujah. You know, you know, the one thing that warmed my heart yesterday and the day before that, when uh, the news and uh, a a trailer dropped that we're getting a baseball game for the Xbox. I know that's not our usual. Hello. Or hold up. We're getting a baseball game for Xbox. Yeah, buddy. Where have I been? I was just gonna I was gonna say in my uh my my monologue here. I know that's not our usual hello and how are you, but I, I'm just I'm so excited that saying hello to you and asking you how you are is not nearly as important as MLB the show 21 dropping on Xbox One and Xbox Series X at the same time for PlayStation in April this year. Woo! Is it gonna be on Game Pass? Probably not. It's Sony run. Do you know how dumb Sony would be to just put that thing on Game Pass? But uh, how are you? We'll talk about the show in a second, of course. Um, What's up? I'm I'm pretty pretty good. Um, What's new? I have decided that I'm going to sell my Xbox Series X controller. Wow, you're going into this right now, huh? Yeah, (laughs) I I, I didn't I didn't load any uh, sad music. I'm oh, sorry. It should always be loaded. Yeah, I've had fun with it, but you know what? It's time to move on. And Microsoft announced that they are releasing a what is it called? It's Pulse it's Red. Special, yeah, it's Pulse a Red controller. It's I don't even think it's technically a special edition because it's just it's just another color. But oh my god, it looks so good. Well, as long as you're happy and the share button works. Um, if have, while you, we're to- have you on that topic? Have you even used the share button? Accidentally twice. Exactly. It's it was what a, a stupid what button. A stupid button, right? Like, but 
at the same time with your PS4, how often did you take a uh, screenshot with yours with your left thumb? Oh, hardly, hardly ever. You know what? What Microsoft should have done with that button is they should make it. They sh- it should be like a um, customizable button rather than be dedicated to just sharing stuff. Maybe have that by default, but allow actually. I wonder if you can customize that with. Uh, well, you can you can control map, so I, I don't see why you wouldn't be. Yeah, able to. everything else. Right. But I don't know if you can customize the menu buttons and stuff like that. But I feel like that would have been a much more significant upgrade to the controller. If you could customize what that button does. So it's it's kind of in an awkward position, to be totally honest with you, for anything really useful. But. I don't know. Maybe you could custom. Maybe, I don't know. Make it pause well, the game. <laughs> as I've said, I think the the one thing about the button is it's just so awkwardly placed that it's your thumb could easily hit it and you don't even realize it. Like especially if you're trying to like reach for the D pad or like you're trying to do some like crazy maneuver, you're just like, oh. Cool. Oh, damn. I just took a screenshot. Oh, took another screenshot. Cool. How, just shared it to the cloud. How um, tiny are your thumbs that you have to reach for the D-pad? Well, it's not maybe like I'm just holding the controller now. Um, actually, I think it's quite the opposite. If I'm if I'm doing like the uh, the middle thumb, right, and I'm I've got the right stick, I can touch that middle button. Like if I'm playing a racing game, I can touch that middle button like with the tip of my thumb. That that's what Microsoft wants you to do. Touch the button. They just want you to tap, just touch they, it with a they, little tap. Yeah, just just touch it, just a little bit. In in some sad controller news, guys, we have to pour one out for my Elite Two that suffered a a painful death. The yeah, let's day. pour some ginger ale out for your <laughs> your Elite <laughs> Two controller. I mean, that's what that's what happened. Uh, I I I honestly don't know kind of what led to it but i bumped a a glass on my desk and i usually am so adamant about not having anything but water on my desk and even that is like always in um like a shaker with a lid on it so it wasn't my my finest moment i was able to protect most of the controller but the b button stuck and it's if it weren't for the geek squad warranty i'd be screwed guys Uh, so uh I mean, while warranties are not aren't for everybody, I'd always, always, always suggest getting the warranty for a controller, especially you know because like the uh, EV games one apparently is pretty good, too. Yeah. And I, I don't want to advocate for any of these companies warranties, but I will tell you this. When the controller was purchased for me in September, so it didn't even last four months and my other elite still kicking. They told uh, my other half that if it would cover any battery malfunction, any stickiness to buttons and stick drift. I don't know if the EB games one does stick drift, but it's good to know in the future to always ask about, but um, I'm, I'm sending old elite two away for warranty and uh, I'll have a new elite. It's going to be a rough week without being able to play call of duty without uh, my elite two. Oh, you'll have to play like the rest of it rest of everyone else no i have my elite one i'm fine oh yeah i have i have both my elite controllers my mine's a little drifty at the moment but that's okay um I, uh but like i know that one of my buddies he bought the extended warranty from 
EB Games for his, I think it was, yeah, it was for the Xbox One controllers. Now, this was a little while ago, um, so I'm, I'm not sure if it's still going on or if he's still doing this, but essentially, at the time, it covered anything. Uh, sticky buttons, buttons that didn't work, all that stuff. So every so often, like near the end of his uh, warranty period, you know, like on like month eight or nine, he would uh, go in and exchange it and they'd give him just a brand new controller. And I think uh, I think he could extend the warranty on the new controller. And it was like it was like nine dollars or something like that. That makes sense. So so, yeah, like every like 10 months, he'd he'd pay 10 bucks and get a (laughs) new controller. But uh, maybe that's why GameStop was uh, doing so poorly. Oh, actually, in, <laughs> I think we're both like on this the absolute same wavelength because I feel like we're going to be talking about their stocks right now, huh? I mean, I told somebody the other day, I was like, Friday might be your best chance to get out of this. And we talked about this last last week. For those who haven't figured this out yet, we record either Wednesday or Thursday, depending on how the week's kind of shaping up. And also if there's any like if we know. Let's say a Nintendo Direct is dropping on the Thursday. We'll we'll wait it out and then publish the episode that night type of thing. I said to you, I believe I said it off air, that Friday was going to be boomer bust. And at one point on Friday, I do believe it peaked at $500. Yeah, it did. So yeah. Friday it was, or so Thursday, maybe not. It was four, was highest peak four I see is 469, yeah. 50, uh, 42 US. And I was talking to a friend who bought it and they were like, yeah, I'm okay with losing this money. It's down to 92 bucks. Yeah. I, I checked this this morning. It was down to like a hundred bucks this morning. And uh, it's kind of funny because I wonder how many people are just like shitting themselves because they put in a ton of money. But it, funny thing on, I think it was last Thursday, I saw a Facebook post from uh, a guy I know and it was a screenshot of his Wealth Simple app. Essentially, when uh, have you used Wealth Simple? Uh, no, I loaded money to it, but I purposely waited for this GME thing to end so I wouldn't look at it. Yeah, so um, when you load money into it, for anyone who doesn't know what Wealth Simple is, like the app, it's it's essentially a, an easy way for um, those of us who have no real financial insight to spend money on stocks kind of play the stock market um so when you put money into your account there's a three-day waiting period um and this is in part for your safety where you know for example gme uh gamestop you know People were buying it up when it was low. So it's to stop people from putting in, you know, thousands of dollars and buying stocks all within, you know, a few minutes. Right. So so this guy put in like two grand into his uh, Will Simple account because he wanted to buy in uh, to the GameStop whole thing. And we all know the markets are closed on the weekend, right? Yep. So by the time he was able to trade, 
uh, it would have been down to like two, three hundred dollars. So, and it's just been lowering. So I, I don't know if he put that money in there, but if he did, if he bought in at two hundred, he has now lost fifty percent. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who bought it. Uh, I want to say one forty range, and. I like I asked him. I was like, "How are you feeling about this?" He's like, "No, it'll bounce back. Don't worry. It could take like two weeks." I was like, "All the forecasters said like Monday was going to be the big day. Like, obviously, there has been some market manipulation, no doubt." But oh yeah. So like, I have a theory though. And what's that? I, I have a feeling I understand why you and I are on the same wavelength. Why? I think it's I think it's because we both played the game the medium. And now we're both psychic to each other within a within a degree of separation, almost a split screen of separation. Yeah, the game was okay. I I, I, <laughs> I don't understand why it was receiving nines. I understood why it received sevens. Yeah, so we we kind of touched on this last episode because it was uh, the it thing to talk about. <laughs> on, it launched on Thursday or Friday of last week, so end of January. Um, so yeah, we both got a chance to play it. Uh, I sat down with Angela and we played it. I played it. She watched. Uh, can can I ask how bored she was? Because it was a lot of like. There is yeah. She she was on her phone a little bit, um, and I kind of fell asleep while playing a few times um well see the thing is is we like playing these like story games or like these kind of adventure games and stuff like that or she likes to watch like she gets really into it mm-hmm. um you know we played through a plague tale which was pretty fun um and i actually started the batman enemy within or whatever the telltale series one and so she's like, oh, Batman. I'm like, just just wait. Like, you just watch this. And then by, like, halfway through the first episode, she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, well, Telltale is also really good at telling stories. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, we've we've played some other ones. So, like, I, I thought, you know, this would, from what I know, knew of this game, it was, you know, it's story-driven. Um, not a lot of combat, per se, or any anything like that, which, in my experience, there was, like, zero um so yeah interesting kind of it's it's creepy in 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 a sense but um it kind of made me want to like the the first time i sat down with it i started playing i was like like you're walking around the funeral home we're not going to spoil the game um but i was like i gotta turn off the lights and just let the glow of the screen kind of take me um kind of kind of like um outlast games right you're mm-hmm. you're expecting those kind of like jump scares mm-hmm. um visually i thought it was quite beautiful i kept making comparisons in my head to both the last of us and then um older iterations of both well i guess silent hills its own game but resident evil like two and three you know you know when the camera was slightly limited uh yeah like all of like the original yeah, like forced and fixed angles. I, I did watch one review that was kind of interesting to me, and I was curious because I know how you play shooters. Did you play this game regular or did you play it inverted? Um, 
inverted. I play all my stuff inverted. So did you find like adjusting the camera in like the funeral home uh, when you're doing the things with what was his name? Jack? Like, did you find it a little weird? Because a lot of the reviews I was watching said, if you're an inverted player, it's easier to play with the control. Oh, you know what? I actually had, no, sorry. You're right. I, I tried inverted and then I was like, this doesn't feel right. And I put it back to regular and it took a little, a little getting used to, but I think the big difference is because it's not really, you're not aiming per se, you know, it's more of a, um, it's your view. It's your point of view. More of a cursor. Yeah. It's more of a, yeah. Your point of view, kind of like what your eyes are looking at. Um, so it feels more natural to do it in the normal way. Right. Uh, But it still did. It still felt weird, but it was more comfortable for sure. That, that to me made it one of the more clunkier aspects of the game. Don't get me wrong. I think the game looked really good. And for the first real game to come out for like designed for the series X, I think it hit a lot of marks correctly. I found her movement or Marianne's movement very blocky at times and clunky, not physically like appearing blocky, but Mm -hmm. because I thought the textures were very smooth. It was just like, what's with this half run that she's able to kind of get to that looks like she's jogging, but with like her legs tied and it's like the, the Z pattern going through the hallway. You can't just go left and right. Like you have, like it, it kind of reminded me of when you watch an NPC walk to you, like it's being guided by the computer, even though you're pressing forward or backwards, the fixed angles kind of make the, the character movement very awkward. Mm-hmm. My, my biggest issue with, yeah, like the, the controls of control of character movement is uh, it's clunky, um, but I think they're limited to that style of character movement because of the way that the game plays out with like that split screen two two world kind of thing. Um, I think that the movement is way too slow. Oh, it was very Uh, last of us to me. And the beginning of the game that like that prologue area, it felt like it was just going on forever and they don't let you jog. (laughs) Until, Until you get out of the prologue, prologue, yeah, like it was a long intro. Um, the sound effects are top notch. The graphics look great, um, but I'm gonna say, be honest, I think the double or the split screen gameplay is like it gets gimmicky after a while. I'd agree. I did find it interesting when you're in that cave that if you press X on one or A on the other, it'll mm-hmm. do two different things. Well, that's uh, kind of like what they were going for, right? Like control it was kind of like a way out, worlds. right? Yeah, both worlds at the same time, and uh, I understand how they like or why they did it that way. Um, but it and it adds to the puzzles. Right, because you're paying attention on one side of the screen, uh, like the real world, and 
say, oh, I want to go through this open doorway, but in the, uh, I don't even know what they call it, like the spirit world, you know, that oh, like doorway. The, the gateway, right? Yeah, that doorway is closed, so you can't go there. So you have to figure out how to open it in the spirit world to continue on. So it was kind of cool like that because um, it added more variety to otherwise traditional boring puzzles. Um, but after a while, it was it. I, I was finding myself just kind of like tired of having to go back and forth and like working on, on one side of the screen only to be stuck and have to backtrack so much to go a different route. Like, and, and because the character moves so slowly, um, it, it was just more of a chore. Now, sorry, before you elaborate on that, did you find yourself, getting excited when you saw a glint because you were like, Oh my God, this could help me with my puzzle. Uh, yeah. Like you, you're just kind of like hoping for something to stand out. But, um, I did have some issues a few times where the camera wouldn't change the angle. Um, so it was essentially stuck with one viewpoint, it would rotate around, but then I would walk around a corner and it wouldn't update. So I couldn't see where my character was going or anything like that. Very much so like some resident evil games. And I, yeah. I did notice. And like, I've, I've read up cause I, I personally don't believe I'm going to finish the game anytime soon. I understand it's an eight hour game. I just, and before you accuse me of this is a call of duty thing, it's just, if I'm playing a, a big narrative story like Cyberpunk or Red Dead or Fallout, I know that I'm going to spend X amount of time playing this, but also I'm going to jump to play games with my friends. I have no inclination to really finish this story because I've played this story. I know it's a it's a different story, but when you sit down to play a Resident Evil game, as an example, you know you're going to end up in a mansion. You're going to solve a bunch of um, puzzles in said mansion, and then at the end of the night, you're going to go home. And that's just kind of the way Resident Evil games are. You're you're in one pretty much main spot the entire time. And that's it. Yeah, like Mansion or PlayStation, something like that. The moment you get to... Whoa. The one for Wii was a little bit different. The Umbrella Chronicles, where you were kind of like in that third-person shooter. Yeah, those were, that was a rail shooter. Yeah, that was, that was fun, though. That was different. Yeah. Um, the moment you... Like, you make the comment about leaving the motorcycle and you, you like look at the hospital for the first time. You're like, Oh, I see where this is going to go. Oh, like the, where, where you're heading after the motorcycle. Yeah. And I also yeah, had no idea. A, what's uh, in Poland like yeah. until <laughs> It's a, um, like an old hotel. So it's, it's not a hospital that you're going through. You're going through like a old decrepit hotel or whatever. You're right. Yeah. Um, it's inspired off of the hotel, Kharkova in Krakow, Poland. It's called the Niwa Workers Resort. And I don't know. It just, it left me with more than I wanted to kind of be desired. I didn't feel as if I was going to get into the game deep enough. Like I did give it a shot and I just, I really just like slow, slow games. And I think the nail in the coffin for me, no pun intended, was, do you remember, I, I know you said you got further than me at one point and I like, I know where I stopped. 
But do you remember walking across that parking lot looking for an item to get into the the hotel? Yeah. And the game just pushes you towards that car. There's nothing else there. But it's such a long walk to get to nothing. Like the game's not loading anything. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you open the hood and there's a screwdriver and then the horn goes off. You're just like, wow, cool. I just explored this whole area for this. Mm -hmm. Okay. I will say, though, in comparison to like games like The Last of Us, that girl actually had to try to push the the dumpster <laughs> opposed <laughs> to the the absolute ability in The Last of Us to just slide around with a dumpster like nothing's yeah. going on. Um, later on in the game, you, you start fighting this like boss thing and it shows up throughout um, and it. it it starts off in the spirit world and it's kind of like I, as far as I can tell, it's kind of like the big, big baddie uh, in the game. And there's no way for you to actually fight it. Um, maybe later on in the game, there's, there's a way like, but uh, there's no way for you to fight it head on. You have to avoid it. And it turns into one of these um, kind of cat and mouse type games where uh, the, the, monster thing the demon will walk around um an area in kind of like a set path and yeah. you have to hide behind things be you have to crouch and be quiet and stuff like that and and get to essentially like a light beacon area um so it's it's the only defense that you have against him or it um is you have to charge your spirit energy at uh, one of these like spirit well things and that gives you one chance to defend yourself if uh it catches you um and it's frustrating because the controls for the character are so clunky that um it's it's very difficult to just kind of like turn and run in the opposite direction. Um, I found that if you got into the sights of this demon, there's like really unless you had a clear path to where you had to go, you're screwed uh, because a lot of the areas are narrow corridors, and this demon thing takes that majority of it. So you can't like just run past him; you run right into him. Um, so that got frustrating. The first few times that the, the first time I ran into this this guy, um, like like it was scary in the sense that like oh my like this was a a major change in the pace and the atmosphere of the game. Yeah. Um, but it was f- more frustrating than anything because the I think I died like four or five times just the first time I encountered him because either he was not moving out of like he didn't go along his pathway um, or I ran into something and got stuck or I just wasn't running fast enough or whatever it may be. It, but it is pretty buggy. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually I, I got past that part and uh, there's like a little action scene of running through a hallway and oh yeah, moths are a big thing in there as well. Apparently moths are evil and they kill you. <laughs> um, but then later on in the game, um, spoiler alert, he shows up in the w- real world as a spirit kind of thing, but it's invisible. 
kind of like just like a uh, a distortion in the area. And again, it was buggy that he like was stuck in a doorway that I had to go through. Um, so it's just it was just frustrating that whole thing because I I dislike when a game puts in a boss character um just to have a boss character. Yeah, like the force conflict, right? Yeah, it's um I, I feel like the game could have had a very good narrative just without this demon thing hunting you. Um because you know, they they are promoting this game as, you know, this like breakthrough in game technology. Apparently like this the split screen rendering of two worlds it was patented patented so they have a patent for that which is kind of weird but don't get me wrong it looked really good it's it's cool it buggy, like it, but it looked good but so they're they're promoting this game as this you know breakthrough game but then they add these like boss confrontations that aren't needed um and i think it just takes away from the overall atmosphere of the game sure afterwards it gives a uh, a sense of something looming that can uh, can attack you at any moment like it, it doesn't like it only comes in during s- actual scripted events but i feel like they could have done a lot better if it was just kind of like this looming background character right that sure you have to avoid but not it's not necessarily going to be a barrier to progressing the game. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is right now for me where I am. Um, it's just a barrier. And I find that because there's no real way to defend yourself, um, it slows the pace of the game down significantly, even more so than it already is. Right. And, after a while, it just gets frustrating if you get caught and die and then you have to load and start. And it's not just like start at the very beginning of that confrontation. It starts from the last autosave, which generally is fairly close to like before that confrontation. But in the case where I am, you know, I have to kind of finish a, a whole puzzle. Uh, so, yeah, it was just. It. I don't know. It, it was disappointing i would say i would i would agree with like the average reviews of a seven um because i it does look good i don't think it looks as good as you know some other even last gen games um but there's a lot going on with the game right because it's got to render out both worlds at the same time but again that's not happening all the time right like it just happens at set pieces and um but I do have to admit, though, the one thing that I was most impressed with by far was the audio, um, the sound effects and the dialogue and everything that kind of like makes the game world. I don't know, brings the atmosphere to life um, was is the audio and it, it's actually really great. There is a notice at the beginning of the game that says, like, for the best experience to so wear headphones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you have a really good sound system as well you get a very similar experience but yeah overall like so hit me with a gameplay presentation value just uh i guess we do out of 10 right yeah i'm gonna say gameplay i'm honestly gonna give it a six 
because it's not really doing anything like new in terms of controlling the game. Um, in my experience, I ran into some very frustrating game breaking bugs um, yep. and the controls are clunky. And yeah, so I, I'm going to say a six for gameplay. Okay. I'm going to give it a, you know what? I'm just going to agree with your six. I do believe that the, my, my biggest complaint or um, the one thing I always look for, especially in story and narr- uh, narrative driven stories or narrative driven games is how clunky the controller feels while you're moving through areas in which you're essentially walking or running and you're not in combat. And I just found that with the the fixed angles, while the fixed angles were cool and it added a, a depth to the story and a depth to the eeriness, which I'll talk about in presentation, it just wasn't on the mark for me. You know what? I'm going to switch it to a five for gameplay. Five. Oh, snap. Yeah, I I also felt like sometimes you'd like hit X numerous times to try and like get it to to grab the item that you're looking for, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. All right, so 5.5 on gameplay. Uh, Presentation, I'll go first. I'm going to give it a nine for presentation, um, which is probably a little bit higher than you expected, but not a 10. I do believe that the presentation as a whole was a very good first attempt at a game for the Series X. Um, While the split screen does get gimmicky at times, I do believe and uh, the the first two times you experience it, you really get to feel it as as well as like the sound engineering. Like there's jump Mm. scares in there. Um, When you're helping your father pass through or like move on and pass through the gate. Um, like you feel that you felt that emotionally. Like I know I, I felt it a little bit differently than I, I thought I would have, but you definitely feel that moment. And I think that really extenuate or like it really pushes and makes you feel like, sorry, I, I'm overcome with words at the moment. You really feel the game. And I think you feel the narrative that they're also trying to develop and it's more than the story you're trying to empathize with the character. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a nine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence with a nine or an eight. So I'm going to have to say eight and a half because um, like, like I said before, and you just mentioned, you know, the, the split screen thing gets kind of gimmicky. Um, it is cool to see a cut scene um, pan out in both the real world and the spirit world, right? Like you can kind of see uh, it, how it, how it looks to a normal person in the real world, uh, seeing this person interact with the spirit and essentially like talking to nothing. It was kind of weird, but um, audio, I mentioned this, I think the audio mixing and the audio design is, is great. Um, and I think that's what really is owed to the atmosphere. Um, visually, though, I think uh, it it's nothing like too special. Um, the the biggest the biggest thing that it has going for it is that split screen um, game like gameplay. But overall, like the graphics and stuff like that, I feel like this game could 
run on last gen hardware. Um, I think it needs the power of the Series X or um, a, a more like modern PC to be able to render both of those worlds and stuff like that at the same time. I think that's um, kind of shows off the processing power and that of the uh, Series X. But yeah, I, I, it'd be interesting to see if they use this game style again. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say uh, eight and a half. Because it's not oh. it's not anywhere near perfect. But it is pretty good. The presentation is pretty good, though. Okay, so your final one is value. Uh, do you want to go first or second? Um, I'll go first. Okay. And I think this was this will be a, a tough one for for value because one, it's a, it's part of Game Pass, um, so we, we I we kind of have to decide on instead of talking about how we like see this is tough because it's like I said it's on Game Pass so well, I could I, I purposely and, looked this up for you it's currently worth fifty seven fifty nine with a ten yeah. percent discount on Microsoft Store yeah no I I knew it was going around for like fifty fifty sixty bucks um and the price point actually shows that it's not meant to be a triple A big seller. Um, if it was, then it would be priced at 80 bucks or 90, right? Um, if I, if I spent $57 on this game, I would be disappointed. Um, the story, while it is interesting, there's too much like kind of frustrations with the game in general to feel like I would get my money's worth out of, um, a $57 game. Uh, especially because I feel like there's very little replay value. It's like All right. So what's, fun. what's your number? Sorry. My number for value. I'm going to have to say six because right. I think like for a current gen game, um, you know, 50 bucks is kind of, not bad. 50 bucks isn't bad for a brand new game, but when you get break it down to the fundamentals of the game and how it plays and all that stuff um, for like a one time only gameplay, uh, your 50 bucks is just a little too much. I can see this going down to like a 50% off sale very quickly. Yeah, I, I can agree. I think it'll go, bargain bin if like in my honest opinion i believe there should be a benchmark in the amount of stuff you can do in a game versus the time it takes to complete the great uh the the main story and considering people are completing this game between seven and nine hours and from what i can tell there isn't a lot of side quests or collectibles to do i know i mean i'm only about an hour and a half in i there are some like postcards and stuff like that in and, but like that's not riveting that's not stuff, like like yeah it just kind of gives some background lore to the the um hotel but yeah. it's not anything that's like oh i'm gonna go out and search for all of these things i i think the threshold should be if games are now 49 or 79.99 games with an eight hour story or less 
should be $39.99 in Canada. Or I guess it'd be like $30 in the States, which seems a little low, and I understand that. But you're not really getting a lot. I'm very thankful that it was on Game Pass because I personally don't think I would have purchased this if I didn't have the ability to get it for free. The game had some appeal, but could you imagine buying this as a launch title and just being really upset Um, about it? Yeah. And and so that's I, gi- I give it a five. Like, I think like in I think you hit the nail on the head there. Is that the saying? Yeah. Yep. Um, this game should be priced at a like a a thirty dollar price point. Um, and like I said, for a game that is just like a, a one playthrough kind of story, you know, you want that game to be accessible to more people, and a, a game price at thirty bucks already sets the bar low <laughs> right like you're not expecting a masterpiece yeah if but... anything like it can boost your um ex- not experience but, or not necessarily expectations but you know make the overall experience i guess uh more enjoyable because you know if the game is really good and you got it for cheap you're like man this is a great value but if the game is expensive and it kind of sucks or you play through it once and that's it. You're like, uh, that's shit. <laughs> you know, a plague's tale was kind of like that. I have no, there's, there's collectibles and stuff like that, but I played through the story. I know the story. It's going to be the same thing if I play through it again. Um, and I got, that was on game pass. So I played that on game pass, but I've seen it on sale many times. Would I have bought that game at the full price? No, but, um, totally worth it on sale kind of thing. So, and I think this game, I think the medium kind of falls into that same category. All right. So without, um, I, I guess you can't, you can't really include games that you would have purchased from, or like that, that got like that $50 Amazon launch. What were the last three games you bought at full price? Just out of curiosity, like at the seventy nine ninety nine price point, let's say if you bought cyberpunk at 50, I'll, I'll, I'll I mean, you had that pre-ordered for what three years? That'll count as a seventy-nine dollar <laughs> game. Uh, it would be Cyberpunk then, and pretty much any Nintendo game. And all three of those games—I mean, Cyberpunk glitches aside—and it is getting a lot better. Is is that value worth it to you? For Cyberpunk, yeah. You know, oh, and I bought Yakuza Seven. Haven't played that one yet, though. <laughs> um. And what was the one before that? Oh, I bought um, not uh, yeah, Watch Dogs. And you didn't I, give that at full price though. I did. Well, like I I paid full price in credit. <laughs> well, it was True, like three bucks kind of thing. Anyways, uh, um, between those three games, I would say uh, Cyberpunk totally worth the value, even though it was buggy as hell. Like I I trust that CD Projekt Red is going to um, fix the game. Um, and, and the world that they built and the, the amount of content in the game, you know, like those things, you can spend hours upon hours upon hours and replay the game. Like there's there's a lot of value to that. Um, I wish the same could be said for Watch Dogs. It just didn't it just didn't grip me. And I think that the big thing with that one was the story. Um, sure, the world looked great. Controls for driving was you know, atrocious, like it always is in the Watch Dogs games, but the story just didn't really do anything for me. Um, 
And I think this one, this game, the medium falls in between the two. Um, the story is interesting and gripping, but the gameplay isn't. Yeah, I I would agree with your statement. I mean, the three I purchased were Cyberpunk, which is still kind of a work in progress. I got really frustrated. I've committed to myself because I bought it digitally. I'm just going to wait for the patch before I like try and restart the game because I just I'm okay right now. Um, I bought NHL 21, which is like, it's a game that I know I'm going to replay a ton. So $79 to me once a year for a game that I'm going to play. Like if I'm bored or I just want to like screw around or play with some friends online or even couch co-op, if that's ever allowed again, (laughs) which is so hard to believe that like, they don't want people at your house. And like, I know you're going to disagree with this one, but black ops, like just for the core game, the fact that the story's there. And, which I've already uninstalled because now I'm just playing the multiplayer. I get my money's worth every year with Call of Duty. So you, th- for those, yeah, worth $79. But if any of those had, like, and yeah, Call of Duty has a small story. But if Cyberpunk I paid $49 for, I'd hope for like an eight-hour story. Like when I think of like spending money and getting a good story out of it, I'm thinking like Red Dead, The Witcher, Fallout freaking elder scrolls all that kind of stuff like you know you're getting like a 40 to a million hour game depending on how you play it yeah but i digress on that i want to uh i want to touch on quickly before we get to um our favorite segment which is gonna need uh, a theme song for the last four episodes of it um i just want to quickly go through a few games that are coming out in february because it's it's our highly contested segment every single time we've been called out for a few of our calls before but i want to just go over a few games if that's all right with you sir david yeah it's totally okay with me so the first game we already missed because it launched uh, on february 2nd would be destruction all stars for the ps5 i saw some of the gameplay and some of the reviews and it kind of made me jealous that i don't have a ps5 solely because it has that twisted metal vibe um I'm sure when I do get a PS5, it'll be something I pick up in a bargain bin or off PlayStation Plus. Oh, yeah, that was the free one. Yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah. It looks I haven't pretty played fun. it yet, though. Um, next big title coming out, which is coming out on the 4th, is Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood. I'm a little worried about this one. I'm going to wait for reviews. The big thing that kind of concerns me about this title is the fact that all of a sudden is listed in a bunch of get, uh, giveaways on social media and good games don't really get given away like that. You know? Yeah. Um, L- little skeptical, mm-hmm. just a tiny bit, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, I'm going to definitely put that one on a, a bargain binner as well. Um, for the PS5, Neo Remastered is dropping the complete edition, as well as um, Neo 2 is getting a completed edition and a remastered edition, all for the PS4 and the PS5. So they're just redropping all the Neo games. I think that's pretty cool. I feel like we're going to get a lot of this this generation, though. Oh, the a remasters? Of, totally, a of, yeah. A lot of remasters of PS4 and Xbox One games. Um, and... When do we cut draw the line? Right? Uh, one is, year after launch. When is a remaster 
when is a game available for a remaster or when does it need remastering? You know, I understand if it's uh, like a PS3 or Xbox 360 game that's kind of like updated, like uh, say the Mass Effect Ultimate Legends Edition, right? Like that is a remaster and a, a total like next gen upgrade. But that game came out on like that was two generations ago and in on hardware, right? That was a 360 and PS3 games. Yeah. Um, so that I think is justifiable, but games like, um, you know, control, right. That have like the ultimate edition that came out with, yeah, like they added ray tracing and now, you know, they actually run at a solid, you know, 30 or 60 frames per per second. But I I find that I feel like we're going to get a lot of games this generation where they are just kind of updated versions of, ps4 or xbox one games yeah it's true speaking of updated or remastered or didn't change much february 12th super mario 3d world plus bowser's fury yeah it's next friday baby are you getting it yeah i pre-ordered that i don't care (laughs) i just i you know what those games, they retain their value. Um, I got it for like 50 bucks. So it's, it's, you know, I'm already getting a pretty good deal there. Yeah, I mean, and, that's the only reason I haven't got rid of Paper Mario. Yeah. And uh, I, I think this is a good game that Angela and I would will be able to play together. Because the nice thing about like the, the Super Mario 3D Land or 3D World, yeah, um, is that one person can literally just like win the whole game. <laughs> right. And the other people playing can just kind of like carry along. So it's not so much dependent on everyone working together and everyone being really good at the game. So I think this will be a perfect one for Angela and I to play. Um, Cause she's not very good at games. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Mario guys, you have legitimately, what is it? less or less than 40 days to pick up your copy of super mario all-stars before it disappears forever apparently apparently i mean is somebody gonna put one up for sale on march 11th being like haha bitches or are stores still gonna shelve it no because stores will still have it on shelves right like um back when it released originally um a little store that I was working at ordered over a hundred copies. Because Thinking it was going to be the collector's item. Thinking that people this. were going to go and buy this and it was going to sell out on day one. And they're still sitting on dozens and dozens of copies of this game. Um, and I know that they inquired about returning some to the distributor and they're like, no, <laughs> see if there's other stores you know within the same uh company uh that that need stock and see if you can just transfer it to them yeah uh and i think that's kind of what happened i i feel like retailers bought into the hype of these games and ordered way more than they could possibly sell and they're sitting on stock so well like i I remember 
what was it? Two weeks after it came out, I was like, oh, maybe I'll buy another copy. Just keep it sealed and we'll see what happens in a few years. Right. Yeah. And I saw tons of copies everywhere I went. I'm like, I'm not I'm not going to waste my time. Um, an- Another game that, like it's so weird. February has such a small release because we try not to do re-releases or items. Uh, Persona 5 Strikers is coming out for the the Switch and the PS4 and Windows. Um, I guess screw every other console. Cool. <laughs> um, Ghost and Ghouls, or sorry, Ghost and Goblins Resurrections for Nintendo Switch. Depending on the price board, uh, point, I'd like to check that one out. Um, the Ghosts and series is always fun. It doesn't matter kind of like what game you're playing. They're just, they're kind of like fun little games you know time wasters Mm -hmm. um yakuza like a dragon coming for the xbox series x and xbox one you uh you gonna jump in on Uh, that one uh like a dragon like a dragon it already came out it is releasing on the 25th so no it did not oh i'm thinking uh yeah i was just like really I thought it came out at the same time as the PS4 version. Nope. Huh. Uh, I got it for PS4. Uh, I'm just waiting for the PS5 patch to come out sometime this year to really dive into it. Great game, uh, the though. O- yeah, the only other game I saw that was kind of interesting, which is just... Another kind of indie side scroller for the Switch is Thomas Was Alone is dropping. If it has like a $4 price point, uh, I'll check it out. I don't think I'd pay more than 5 for it. Um, right now, it's actually sitting on Steam at 11 bucks, And it's just uh, a little puzzle side-scrolling game. Mm-hmm. Nothing too major, but uh, do you know what is major? That stupid show. How awesome I felt five seconds into the episode of WandaVision. That's right, everybody. Spoilers ahead. And David can't complain about this episode because it was packed with action and information and intensity from the moment you hit play. Well, maybe not exactly from the moment you hit play. Okay, what the fuck hold are you on. Talking about? I the need... dusting got re like it came back like I need to comment kidding? on something though. Oh my God. And it was your comment on that Instagram post. <laughs> I'm going to read it because this is, this is I, no, this is my problem with that. Uh, it's part, called gaslighting. <laughs> partly my problem with uh, like some of these series and stuff like that. And I know Star Wars fans do the same thing. Uh, the comment was, you're excited to see if me. Yeah. <laughs> has had a change of heart for the series. My guess is no, as he doesn't like fun and new things. Wow. I like fun and I like new things. Yes, but as I've said in the past, and uh, I know you know I'm not wrong, it's if this was a Star Wars series where I had no idea what was going on, you'd be fighting the exact same thing. You'd be like, no, man, there's so much going on. This show is incredible. You just got to give it a chance. Just because you think it's stupid because you don't know about the Mandalorian <laughs> doesn't mean that it is stupid. Because like I made comments about those two episodes in season one, 
And you're like, oh, they're not that bad. Like, they're a little iffy, but they're not that bad. I was like, no, I was so bored. For Mandalorian? Yes. The one where they're after Fennec and then the one in the space jail. I didn't like either of those episodes. Or Fennec's hunting the the fake bounty hunter that oh, is just trying yeah. to get into the Hold on. There, there's a difference, though. If you don't like something, I, I'm not telling you like that you need to. Yo, I'm not. Te- I'm not telling you to like WandaVision, but I. It's am funny because I've able- had so many people message me separately, saying how you know, oh, there's you gotta look at the background. You know, it's not a show made for casuals. It's it's only for the hardcore fans, and I'm like, that doesn't make it a good show. And I will go back to your argument that you're you you've you've. Um, cemented saying like this is disney plus it should be accessible for everybody but and i will say this with an asterisk do you remember what i was like after the first few episodes and then after the first season of the mandalorian first few episodes you're like eh, and then afterwards you're like this is the greatest fucking thing i've ever seen in my life okay take take my body george lucas calm down (laughs) calm down no i was asking questions because i didn't understand anything or i didn't understand some things because i didn't know and then i asked you and our resident star wars toy guru jay a bunch of other questions that i still didn't know the answers to because like while i love and i appreciate star wars i still have trouble remembering their names and i've seen right. the movies a bunch of times but that's okay though but see the thing is is you you were able to ask questions because there was something there that you didn't understand right something in the story that didn't make sense to you because you didn't know uh like a, a connection with the first three episodes of wandavision there is none of that though. It, this is my this is my big problem and and people don't seem to really kind of grasp my this was the Whoa. <laughs> people don't really seem to grasp my point of view on this because I I think a problem right now is that the the diehard fans are so blinded by the fact that it's in a new Marvel uh, new Marvel content um and it's kind of you know it's been a while since we've had a new like new marvel show or movie right what, what was I the last say, one spider-man yeah and would i say blindsided or blinded by it no i would say well well you know me i love to find the easter eggs i think that's part of i think that's part of the culture and the part of canon culture when it comes to the MCU, the DCU, um, Star Wars, Pixar, that kind of stuff. But where I, I, I think you've got to take the gas or your foot off the gas a little bit is while I don't think this show was designed for the super hardcore Scarlet Witch fan, because like they're, they're, they're few and far between when you're looking at like the greater scale of, um, the Marvel cinematic universe and the characters where I think you're missing it. And I, I I'm starting to believe this more and more based off how the show's progressing is this isn't just a nine episode or now 10 episode miniseries. Did they extend it to 10 episodes? 
Well, there uh, somebody's agent was like, "Yes, she appears in episode ten, which is just uh, kind of screwed up a whole bunch of stuff on the internet." Um, which can either be kind of like an epilogue from the series to the mm-hmm. bridging of Doctor Strange, but I'm now convinced more than ever after watching those first four episodes that this nine or ten episode series is not really a standalone series. It's just a prelude. They're not releasing these comic books anymore before these big movies and these big, um, these like mini franchises that are happening. This is all to set up the multiverse of madness and Spider-Man. Oh, That's I, all I this is for. 100% agree with that, but it's, but it's not a TV series. It's not a traditional TV series in the sense that we're turning it on at the beginning of the season. We're learning about the development and the growth of a character. We're watching them overcome something over a few episodes. And then the season finale cruxes, there's a, either a cliffhanger going into the second season or everybody's left happy and smiling. But the it's thing is, though, is, is you are learning about the characters. Uh, like Scarlet Witch and Vision weren't main major characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Sure, she was kind of like a, a baddie for a little while during Age of Ultron. Um, but they never really go deep into the... I don't know what makes these characters tick in the movies. So this is this this show is our insight into Scarlet Witch and what makes her like what's going on with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it is. It's not uh, an origin story. It never was meant to be, and I totally understand that. But this series is supposed to explain kind of what's going on with this character and. S- like I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record because I still stand by that. The first three episodes were overall very disappointing for just uh, like straight viewing and trying to enjoy a, a coherent story. Now, episode four, I'm not going to say that it completely changed my opinion on the series. But that episode, yes, was significantly more enjoyable because it took all of these things and it it gave you something to con- like connect with and to it answered questions that it asked in that episode. You know, like sure, it it connected to the first three episodes and explain what the hell was going on. But the fact that they needed a whole episode that essentially just kind of recapped what happened in the first three and explained certain things in it, you know, that's just kind of, it's just kind of silly. And one thing that I was thinking when I was watching it, but then Angela said on her own, um, they could have taken that, you know, outside world stuff, that stuff that was going on with sword and all those characters and intertwined it between the other episodes. Absolutely. They could have, right? What? Absolutely. They could have. I agree. Oh, I you said absolutely not. Sorry. Because so here's, if, if they did that one, it would explain to the viewer without really having to do this whole, okay, we're going to hold your hand and, take you through everything that just happened in the last three episodes they can intertwine it so that we see this this uh scarlet witch kind of stuff her in her world in that style of 
uh, whatever TV series um, or um, I'm having a huge brain for it right now um, era was going on. Right. But then also kind of go back to the real world and connect to the Marvel universe that people know or what they're trying to build. And they could have easily honestly done all three, all four of those episodes in a singular episode. And you would not have lost anything, but you would have gained so much in storytelling and the desire to know what is happening, what's going to happen next. Like I am very interested to see how episode five is going to be because I'm in a sense, I'm worried because some of the trailers have shown other styles of um, TV genre, right? Yeah, the uh, 80s, 90s, and then and so the, the nod to Modern Family. Yeah, my biggest concern moving forward is that now we now that they've kind of gone in this modern, real world, um, we need to figure out what's going on with this town. Like, they explained the town and why it's like that, right? So they, they gave an explanation to something that people, like, for myself, I, maybe not for everyone, but... I was wondering what the hell is going on with this town? How is it here? All this stuff. Is she just like sleep somewhere? Is she in some sort of stasis or whatever? No, she's actually done this to the town, right? Isolated it from the outside world. But they explained that in this one, right? And I didn't even really know that that is something I wanted to know to that extent, right? Like Like this early. Well, like, it would have been nice to know it earlier on so that we know what kind of what's going on in the sense that, okay, something it's not, like I said, it's not just in her head. She is doing something to manipulate this town specifically, and maybe not her specifically, but something is manipulating this town in general to cut it off from the rest of the world now yeah actually one question that i had because you know how they are standing at the highway and they're like nothing goes in this town right uh but then they fly the drone through right yeah but and the it, road turns, goes, it, it goes air adjusted which the is road cool. goes right down there so so if someone's driving down that road they get sucked into this like this town and they can't leave <laughs> like what the yeah, hell i i think the whole thing is like even those cops were kind of like alluding to it. Somebody's protecting that town right. or keeping people away from it. And the one thing that I think is becoming abundant, abundantly clear is this is definitely house of M based off mm-hmm. kind of a, the hints and B it's literally her creating her own reality where people and uh, I like uh, people smarter than I am when it comes to this stuff are really pushing it is they still believe that Mephesto is controlling Wanda, having her create this own reality to like hard or like harshen her or like soften her pain. Mm-hmm. This series is 21 days after Endgame, just so you have an idea. Okay. So here's the thing though. Like I said, they could have taken episode four and intertwined it between uh, episode one, two, and three. And it would have given us something set up for the the rest of the series um it would have answered all questions that people had for like what the hell's going on 
Yeah. And it would allow them to actually go and do full episodes in their um, the style of whatever show that they were wanted to do afterwards. Because from the viewer's point of view, we already know what's going on. We don't have to ask ourselves like, okay, why is this changing? Because like, why did it go from black and white to color? And why did their house change style? And why is it, you know, like, why are they in the seventies now when they were in like the the sixties before, right? None of those questions are there because we know that she is controlling it because they have like, they not, they, they, they told us, not necessarily to hold our hands, but they've made it part of the story. They've added that question into the story because not only is the viewer confused as to why it's changing, but so are the other characters outside of their, the, the town's, you know, magic bubble type thing. So then the viewer becomes more connected with the characters trying to figure the shit out. Yeah. Um, and, and, like I said, I'm worried that they're going to do full episodes in just that style. But if they do do that, where it is just, you know, a, a Brady Bunch style episode, um, the confusion or the mystery behind what the hell's going on, why has it changed, is no longer there because they have given that to the viewer. Um, and it makes it more interesting because it makes you want to know more about it rather than just be like, okay, I'm going to watch this. And, you know, I guess I'll have to Google what the hell's going on. Just trying to figure out some of these little Easter eggs and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I think the trailer that they released on Monday also kind of gave you that, that push that we're, we're no longer going to be kind of living in the reality of Wanda's reality because we're going to have an outside look at, in every single time. Um, I, I think that was also kind of clear with how much they pushed what they were doing with sword and Geraldine and just some of the like little, like they weren't even hidden as Easter eggs. It was like, they showed Monica Rambo's mother um, and like that she passed away two years prior to that happening, um, which was also kind of a nod to Endgame and how um, Captain Marvel had her head like shaved. So she could have, I guess had her head shaved like to be with her in her fight for cancer or fight with cancer, which was something different. Um, but just to, to kind of go over the, the show in a broader spectrum, because I, I know like we're a little time sensitive, but we also, I, I, I think we, we do a fairly good job kind of breaking down what we saw without busting out a bunch of uh, eggies. The things that I did like was they're bringing back like, what what's what's worse than secondary third da- third dairy is not a word. Tertiary. We'll call them th- third string Marvel characters like Jimmy Woo and Darcy Lewis. I thought were great additions to the show. Um, the I, I loved the little like the magic trick when he like flips out his card and if you remember from Ant Man, he's like, "How'd you do it, Scott?" Like because he was on house arrest in Ant Man two, like he learned the card trick that Scott showed him. Mm-hmm. thought thought that was kind of cool um the 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 whole 
Well, we don't know if the force field will go all the way down to the ground or like through the ground and the beekeeper like changed his costume and it came out of skipping rope. I thought that was really neat. Um, Dead vision. I, I don't know how much you like look into things after the episode, but I saw this piece of concept art months ago. It was after Endgame, so probably a year ago. But there was a scrap scene at the end of Endgame where Wanda would be pulling a Vision's body out of the morgue, right? And like trying to reanimate Vision's body with her powers. So to see dead Vision and like her have a hard time like physically grasping that, I thought was really, really cool and well done. Um, also, the whole nod to... And I don't know if you picked up on it, but like when they show Monica getting thrust out of Westview, she broke through three walls and then the barrier to get back to reality, yeah. aka breaking the fourth wall. I thought that was really, really cool, really well done. As much as I know you kind of hate the the writing style of the show because it's not really leading you anywhere as fast as you'd like it to, I think they actually did a really good job with this episode. And I know I will. Admit, I, I know I like the show more, which is okay. There's there's no problem with me liking something more than you liking something or you liking something more than I. Mm-hmm. I just, I find it now, like episodes three and four for me were unbelievable. I thought they were really well done. They were really shot. They were paced, or really well shot, and they were paced correctly. First one was a little dry, and yes, first and second episode could have kind of gone together. With all that being said, what's what's next? What do you expect to come? What what are some of your like thoughts? I think ultimately they have to make some sort of contact with Wanda. Um, I I I want to know how the other people in the town are interacting with um, Vision. Because he dead. Um, and they explain that the other people in the town are also are, dead. Well, there, there are other people. Are they dead? I thought they were yeah. just like taken from other towns. Or they, they, they were other people from other towns. Well, they're all the missing people from that town, right? Right. But they're they're missing. So they're, they, they're not necessarily dead. They're just missing so they they could still be in that town right so either yeah like you said like they're dead and that's how she's interacting with them and that's how he's interacting with them mm-hmm. um or or what but like they need to explain that um and i i think they kind of alluded to that a little bit when they were talking to vision out on the lawn and um but the thing is is if she see here's here's the problem if they're dead and they're all kind of like a figment of Wanda's imagination, right? They had mentioned about Geraldine to Vision. And then he was concerned about her being in the house. Um, Wanda didn't really know anything was up with Geraldine until she was in the house with her. So yeah. unless it's like some sort of subconscious thing, you know, she's having this conversation of these characters out on her front lawn while she's having a conversation with Geraldine in her house. You know, it, it just, I know that the Marvel cinematic universe can be confusing, but I, I feel like that that's just too much of a stretch to be believable. Yeah. Right. 
Um, I, I really do did like the pacing and kind of how episode four went. Um, it doesn't change my overall opinion of the, the series. I still think it's uh, up to this point disappointing. Um, but hey, you know, there's still another six episodes that can change my mind. Um, six. There's only four left. Five I, left. Oh, I guess it is going to ten. Yeah, so six. Yeah. Um, and it might be one of those things that, you know, it. it you don't need to watch episodes one through three just start with episode four (laughs) maybe it's tough because like we still don't know the identities of some people and that that's frustrating because like you're watching you're like okay so who's this person we assume agatha harkness is the neighbor um agnes and for all intents and purposes we think dody or dotty is um going to be somebody of importance and it could be mefesto as well the one thing that I looked at when they were kind of divulging kind of like both the neighbors and the split reality was I think the the next trailer showed it too because you're going to get that Halloween episode, right? Where they're like dressed mm-hmm. up and eventually like they fly. And there was one thing in the trailer that was very interesting to me and it kind of makes me believe that something else is coming. I think they're going or I think they're going to bring back the vision one way or another. Whether that's finding the um another world vision and bringing it to um 616 or Earth 616, sorry. Right. Or there's something that happened in at the beginning of Endgame where Thanos was just like I've crush the stones to nothing but mere atoms that means they still exist there is supposed to be from all the rumors that have happened and even confirmed by elizabeth olsen a luke skywalker type appearance in a coming episode now what that meant for the mandalorian although a lot of people were able to put the pieces together to the puzzle i mean i did have a spoiler but you could see it kind of coming like what other Jedi from that timeline was he really going to reach out to unless it was a brand new character that nobody knew about? When you look at WandaVision, who could possibly join an episode that's alive after Endgame or that would be useful? We know Captain America is now aged out. We know the Falcon and the Winter Soldier are off on their own thing. Um, Spider-Man is getting ready to go to Europe a few months from now. We don't know what's going on with Tony Stark. Well, he's dead. Tony Stark. You think Tony Stark's going to come back? Yeah. If they're going to bring back a dead character, Tony Stark. I think I I think it might be Ant Man because he can go subatomic. He can bring back the Mind Stone. They can bring Vision back. Vision's alive and well. The fact that uh, this is where I'm going with this. How has Vision become so aware in this illusion that he's now found the barrier of the city in the trailer and he's asking who's doing this to them? He's figuring things out. Yes, Vision is dead. We definitely saw that because there was a big hole in his head that Thanos put there. Mm -hmm. But do they bring the Vision back to life in this as a way to like save Wanda? 
Because, spoiler alert, I think the big baddie of this series is not Mephisto. I think it's Wanda. I think Wanda's going to tear up a bunch of shit once people like start figuring things out. She's going to rip a hole in the multiverse. This is going to cause multiple Spider-Mans to appear. This is going to cause the entire prerequisite uh, for the multitude, uh, the, yeah, the multitude or the multiverse of madness, mm-hmm. which obviously for a Doctor Strange movie, it's not going to start off with another like twenty-minute setup. It's going to be set up by this series, and we're going to have to wait a year to find it, and we're going to know everything that Wanda did. And I think Wanda's going to be the bad that they have to fight. Did you just come up with this idea on yourself? Uh, no, I've been researching a bunch of stuff, but I, I'm fairly like I don't look up theories until like I've thought of like I don't just be like WandaVision theories. I like I think some things through before I look them up. And this just seems to me like they're setting up one of two things. Like, yes, even the new poster definitely has like a devil looking Mephisto in it if you look hard enough. But what if Wanda is actually the bigger problem here because she's so out of control and she's mm-hmm. so heartbroken and they have to explain to her that Vision and her babies aren't real and all this stuff, right? What if, and like Marvel's what if is coming up as well. What if they don't bring back Vision? There's one of two roads they can do. They can either bring back Vision because they acquired the Mind Stone again and brought it back to Earth 616, which they can do. They've proven they can do Mm -hmm. time travel. So, yes, either that or she's going to be the big bad that starts off this whole multiverse kind of fuck up fuckery that's going to happen between Doctor Strange and Spider-Man in these two epic films coming up. Why? Why did you ask that? Did you actually like believe what I was saying, or no, you it, just, like... it's a <laughs> it's an interesting concept, right? And uh, it's I I feel like I I feel like it's potentially the most logical thing that could happen. Um, you know, she wasn't like I said, she wasn't like a, a major character in any of the movies, so using her to create this bigger universe, like, like this big problem, um, that then, you know, everyone has to fix again or whatever is, is interesting. I don't know if she's going to be the big, big bad guy in the the whole thing, maybe in this, this little mini series, but, um, in the bigger picture, I don't think so. I think, uh, if anything, if your theory is, uh, correct, that she opens up the multiverse. Um, I think it's just going to be a gateway for someone else to kind of come into the picture and be the big baddie. Yeah. But who? Tony Stark. No, no. What is, why can't I think of his name right now? (laughs) What is the, um, the big bad X-Men one? Um, Magneto. No, well, Magneto is considered one of Wanda's parents, depending on Galactus. WandaVision could also be opening up the X-Men. And the only reason I say that is because it is confirmed that Evan Peters is cast as Quicksilver. So she might do some friggin' multiverse jumping herself, trying to find her brother and find the X-Men's timeline 
of Quicksilver, which is Evan Peters, and he's played that role for, like, I think, four movies now. Days of Future Past, Dark Phoenix, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny to me that it's not Aaron Tyler Johnson. So, so many things could happen. We have now allegedly six episodes left there's still so much to get into we want to know what your thoughts are because without your thoughts david and i are just going to argue completely and then i'm going to make another instagram post and he's going to get all upset which is fine that's what friends do we pick on each other it's cool but also i'm glad that you're kind of slowly turning around i i hope i hope the wagon turns around completely this week in this episode blows your mind we'll see we'll see what happens but i think we should wrap i think that's a that's a good spot for us to be in today friends if you guys like what you're listening to please subscribe we love it we're we're so close to another milestone we can't wait to share it with you guys tell your friends we exist or at least tell one person to listen to us because that'll help too for myself sean and of course (laughs) me your good friend david (laughs) take care guys Peace.